Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hey Rush Nation, it's Friday, <clears throat> which means it's time to wrap up with the part two of the matchups pod. And here we've got seven games on the slate. These are all the games from Sunday evening, Sunday late afternoon, depending where you are in the world. Uh, Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football and there's some real classics on this slate so lots of things I want to uh, go into here and uh, get you ready for for the weekend so uh, get started first of all with New York Jets at Indianapolis this line has moved out massively it started the week at 7 it's now moved out to Indianapolis by 11.5 points which is easily the biggest favourite of the week Um, over and under set here at 44 and the reason the biggest favourites of the week is I can start with all the fantasy players I'd want to even consider starting this week uh, as Braxton Berrios who is a potential wide receiver three Jameson Crowder doesn't look like he's going to go Lev Bell's on IR Darnold don't want any part of don't want any other part of this offence Perriman looks like he's banged up um, P Ryan, I think, is hurt. Like, it's just, it's just not a lot here. Uh, or Ballard is hurt. One of them is hurt. So there's not really a lot here that I like uh, about the Jets. Uh, unfortunately, think that they could be in the running for the number one pick here. Sorry, Tom, for uh, pointing that one out. But they're pretty awful at the moment for fantasy. The only player I'd even consider playing as a desperation player is Braxton Berry, who I think can return wide receiver three numbers. He's shown connections with Darnold in the past. 
Um, a lot of people saying, asking about Chris Hogan. I think he's probably even further down than that. Again, desperation play, wide receiver four potentially. But yeah, it's Braxton Barris or, or nothing. And uh, don't blame anyone going nothing in, in that route. As for Indianapolis, uh, Rivers is a QB2, good for two quarterback leagues, but not one I'm starting this week in the one QB league. You've got here Jonathan Taylor. He's easily going to be an RB1. Uh, Hines, I reckon, is probably in the running back two, running back three fringes. I think he's going to get some work. The game script might dent him a little bit, but he will get more work from than last week, so probably more comfortable in that wide, uh, running back three range. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, I think, should bounce back a little bit this week with the injury to Paris Campbell, so see him on the fringes of the wide receiver two conversation and see Pittman as the wide receiver three potentially this week. And then Mo Ali Cox, I can see being in the top end of that tight end two conversation. If he has the same volume that he had last week, we went five for 111. So uh, maybe don't see him getting as many yards as that, but maybe see him getting into, uh, into the red, into the red zone, into the touchdown uh, paid out there as well. So a couple of interesting facts about Indianapolis. They're actually the stringiest deed to fantasy quarterbacks. They've given up the fewest points to any uh, team this year when it comes to their quarterbacks. I expect them to probably strengthen that this week. I don't expect Donald to uh, probably get more than 12 points given a state of play at the moment. And they've only given up 11 yards to touch to tight ends this year. 11 yards, that's it. I think three catches. So that's why Chris Herndon or no one in the tight end room has been mentioned. So yeah, no need to uh, start anyone unless it is Braxton Berrios. Um, moving on next to Carolina, they are at the LA Chargers. Chargers favored to win this by six and a half on the spread and uh, over under set of 43 and a half. Carolina have given up 19 first half points on average this season. And to tell you how historically bad this defense has been over two games, they are giving up the worst uh, amount or the biggest amount of fancy points to running backs where they're giving up 34 and a half points a game to running back teams. And then also they are giving up six rushing. They've given up six rushing touchdowns this year already in two games, three in each game. And I think I mentioned that earlier in the week in the star sit column and, and why, you know, Kelly and Eckler should be starting and I'll get to them in, in just a moment. But also they have the the worst cornerback pairing in the NFL, according to PFF. So uh, Trey Boston is ranked as 75th out of 76 DBs that they've measured with a PFF score of 35.4, which is abysmal. And then uh, Justin Burris is even worse. He's the last rated DB with 34.7. So you've got two DBs that are ranked the lowest according to PFF playing in the league. Um, you've got a, a defense that can't stop the run, can give up big plays. Um, and I mean, even even with Justin Herbert as a rookie, I'd expect him to take advantage, but I expect a lot of this to be done on the floor. So moving on to the Chargers, uh, as I've already mentioned, with that historically bad run D for Carolina. After start, uh, Kelly and Eckler this week. Um, Eckler's definitely an RB1. Uh, maybe the fringes of the RB1, but I do think he's going to be uh, having an explosive game. And I also think Joshua Kelly can have a really big big game. Definitely think he's sort of in that running back two, running back three conversation there. And I think he's someone who can definitely get the touchdowns required, given up how many uh, have happened. And as I sort of said uh, earlier in the week, that he is getting more work inside the 20, inside the 10. And so he is someone definitely to keep an eye on and expect him to uh, get in the end zone and think he'd have a, a very, very nice week. 
Keenan Allen should be having a pretty good week as well. I've got him in the wide receiver two range. I think Mike Williams could really exploit the cornerback situation that I've just mentioned. So expect him to get a, a wide receiver three performance this week. Hunter Henry, just keep an eye on the status. I think he's good to go. Um, latest updates I've seen have been pretty positive, but just just double check that one before uh, before game time. So you know, in terms of Carolina, I talked about how bad that 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 defense is. Um, historically, how bad it's been. You're looking at, you know, Mike Davis, and that's a questionable situation as to how good he's going to be. So I've kind of got him ranked at a, a running back three this week, but we'll see what happens with, with that. It, it's kind of a desperation play. If you need to play him, then play him. Um, if you had Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley, then yeah, you, you kind of have to. But just don't expect those kind of numbers. He could massively outperform that ranking, but we just don't know enough. He's shown flashes in the NFL. You've just got to be a, a little bit careful there. And then you've got DJ Moore. Stocks put him in his lockdown as, as one to watch this week with the Chargers. Chris Harris had the lowest uh, amount of passes thrown his way. I think it, it, it's a pass rate of like 11% or 11.5%, I think I, I saw earlier. So um, he's not getting targeted all that much. If Chris Harris is, is on you, then you're not going to get a lot of targets either. So no one's really wanting to throw the ball on him. That could affect more, but they might switch it on Anderson. I don't think they're going to go overly with the shadow coverage. I don't think the Chargers are going to be massively worried given how they kept the Chiefs in check. But if they do dominate that, whoever's on uh, Chris Harris could be in for a pretty rough day. So, you know, very, very difficult situation for Carolina. Not a ton of fantasy assets there at the moment. Ian Thomas didn't even get a target last week, so you can't put him on your radar. So if you've got some charges in your lineups, um, definitely feel free to start them. And as for Herbert, I think he had a good performance. I think, if, again, super flex, you could probably play him, but I wouldn't be starting him in a QB1. Sorry for dancing around backwards and, and forwards there. Um, moving on to Detroit. Detroit are an interesting team. They're not really performing kind of as much as they should be uh, at the moment you know been been probably a, a little unlucky and a little bit lucky in, in some regards they just haven't quite been at the levels that everybody expected unlucky to have not got a win in week one but uh, lucky that they've probably been in get, some games that they they shouldn't have been either Stafford just doesn't look quite as dynamic as we had hoped I think he's still the fringes of course back one but I don't think he's the guy that kind of everyone thought they were getting when they were getting but he's a late round draft pick so that's one positive that you haven't got too much capital in there that run game is just it's so weird I I think if I had to pick one it'd still be swift for the upside he is at best a flex play but I'm fading everyone in there I mean I I don't understand how Kerry Johnson's all of a sudden getting more touches but still not really enough to be relevant It's, it's just a bit of a muddle and a mess there so definitely one to be a bit careful of you need to check Kenny Golladay's status because that's going to have a massive impact on the rest of the wide receiver court. If he's playing, then great. He definitely could uh, could benefit here from some matchups. If not, uh, Marvin Jones hasn't been as good as we'd hoped, but he's still going to be uh, a wide receiver to fringe play if Golladay doesn't go. If Golladay does go, I downgrade him to a, a wide receiver three play. Um, you've got Quinton Cephas who's getting a lot of targets, but he's not getting the numbers really to worry about the volume so you know Marvin Jones Kenny Golladay if he's fit Matt Stafford and the last one's uh, TJ Hawkinson you can start him at tight end um, Arizona historically been pretty bad against tight ends um, as for uh, one last point on Detroit this is going to impact Arizona is that they're the third worst um, defense to fantasy 
running backs that they're giving up 30 points a game to to running backs now you know Aaron Jones took a massive hit I think got 42 points last week uh, and that's contributed to that but they weren't exactly great uh, week one either um, and that was with David Montgomery you know Tyree Cohen for example so they're not exactly proving to be stellar uh, against the run and, and that means that Kenyon Drake is easily a, a running back one this week I think he could really storm on them and with the game script can really have a massive game and Murray should also take advantage of that as well they're just not going to stop him um, and we've seen him sort of dance and roll away for 20-yard touchdowns, and I could expect him to probably get another one this week in, in that regard. So Murray's a QB1, Drake is a RB1, maybe on the fringes of an RB2, but he's going to put in a good performance this week. DeAndre Hopkins is just absolutely on fire. Him and Murray just seem like they played together for years, which is a, a bit of a surprise given how little time and, and how well documented I've said the struggles are of wide receivers moving to new teams. But he is on uh, an elite pace right now and he's an absolute steal for someone you picked up at the end of your second round, if that's where you were getting him. You know, Arizona favoured to win this by five and a half. I think probably they'll win by more than this. The other Hunter's massive here, set at 55 and a half. It's going to be points galore. Neither of these teams play defence very well. Um, it should be a great game to, to start a load of players. Players like Christian Kirk, I just think there are better options out there. You can fade him. I think he's a wide receiver four this week. Um, same with Fitz. Um, they might get their dues and they might outperform, but we haven't seen enough from them to to really count on playing them this week. Um, next up are my beloved Buccaneers uh, away at Denver. And actually, they're the only team on this sort of 4, 4, 5, 4, 4.25 slash 9.05, 9.25 slate uh, that are favoured to win away from home. And they're favourites by 5.5 at, at Denver, who have been absolutely decimated. Uh, with the ever under set at 43. Uh, Buccaneers uh, rebounded with a win last week against Carolina. Not not the, probably the biggest surprise. The only big surprise was that they really um, made a bit more of a meal of it than they should have done, especially in the second half. It went up 20 to nothing at halftime. Um, Brady should uh, return a low-end QB1 performance. He didn't have the best of days last week, and he has thrown a number of interceptions, but expect him to be better this week the more time he's he's in this offense. Um, the question is what you do with, with Rojo and Fournette. Rojo, you could pretty much just bury him now. Um, he's not going to do anything relevant going forward. He might get a goal line carry for a touchdown, but you're kind of hoping that as his ceiling is, is probably that 10 to 12 point range. Um, Leonard Fournette will continue to dominate and get more touches. Um, one observation from last week, and I think I've been saying this all along as to why I wouldn't have uh, Rojo is uh, he was the one that caused that fumble between him and Tom Brady. And, um, when that happened, he didn't play anymore. He was that was it was gone. And Arians has a very very short leash on Ronald Jones, and that might be forgotten early part of this week. But Fournette came in and made every opportunity that he could for himself. And as a result, I don't, I just don't see Rojo being effective. So if you've got him, try and trade him for anything right now. I doubt you're going to get many buyers, but with this decimated market, you might get someone who who is desperate enough to take a play um, and try and get him off your rosters because. In about a week or two's time, he's not going to be relevant. He's just not going to have any value at all. He might have a little bit this week, um, but I would be trading him. I'd be trading him today uh, as soon as possible. Um, Fournette is someone who will grow into more of a role. I still don't expect him to be a huge like, RB1 going forward, but I do expect him to have uh, RB2. So I'm going to the low end RB2, RB3, and that just really is if he can break away for a touchdown. If he can't, he'll return probably an RB3 number this week. Um, going forward, and I think I, I touched upon this on, on Tuesday's flagship part is I expect Mike Evans to pull away from Godwin, uh, from Godwin now. He just seems to have a better rapport, better chemistry with, with Tom Brady. I think with the big plays, especially in the, in the red zone, I think Evans is going to get a lot of those. I, I, I think that, you know, 
Godman will be the volume play. I think Evans will be the big play receiver. Uh, and against this this Denver defense has been a little bit decimated. Um, I do expect Evans to, to eat. So I've got him in the wide receiver one conversation. I've got Godwin in the wide receiver two conversation right now. Um, don't worry about the tight ends. Just no need to worry about the tight ends here in, in Tampa. Uh, with Denver, this is obviously they've been massively decimated. Jeff Driscoll is not fantasy relevant. Not someone you need to really worry about this week. Um, and I put Melvin Gordon in my sixth category, which is obviously hard given the amount of people that uh, oh, got out injured and you might have to play Melvin Gordon. And I think Nick put him in his DFS column as a buy given the value that you're getting against him. And I completely understand it. I think if you're trying to build a DFS roster um, and you want to use the advantage here, that makes sense. He's going to get some volume. I don't think he's going to get as much volume as people think um, because he, although he has no Philip Lindsay and therefore no competition for touches, I think they're going to be in a negative game script pretty early. Tampa have scored on both of their opening drives. And I think Tampa will potentially score very early again in this game. And, you know, against the Saints, it didn't work out. But against Carolina, they led wide and wide. All right, got close towards the end, but they still led the whole way through. I think that Denver could be a different scenario. Is I think they could be behind for most of this game. And I just don't see Gordon getting most of that work, even though it's a rookie quarterback. I think they'll go down swinging. This is how Denver are. They have that spirit of fighting back we saw this against the Steelers they didn't fall when the Steelers were ahead and when they lost their quarterback they just went for it and I think you'll expect to see more out of Jeff Driscoll and more out of the the team and and, and the player I think benefits more than anybody is is Noah Fant there was an instant connection in that game and Noah Fant is an easy tight end one for me obviously we lost Corton Sutton for the year that makes uh, Jerry Judy a wide receiver I think he's a two wide receiver two play this week. I think he's going to get the volume, especially in PPR, to to stay afloat. And I think KJ Hamler will be relevant, but probably not someone I'm overly keen to start this week. But I think towards the end of the season, I think he's someone you should be buying. Um, if you didn't get him on your waivers this week and he's still there, go and buy him now because his price will go up more and more. I've been sneaking in little $2, $3 bits uh, on him and, and been sneaking him under the radar in a lot of places. So uh, he's someone I'm just stashing in the hopes that he does break out because there's a lot of uh, hype on him. It's just a difficult situation for, for Denver and um, really good podcast with Michael Lombardi earlier to talk. Uh, uh, I think it came out yesterday, actually. And um, they were talking a, a lot about... Um, why they sh- why they should have gone for Cam Newton and that's well worth a listen and uh, definitely check check that one out. Um, it's called the GM Shuffle, so give that a listen. It's a really really good podcast. Next up is Dallas at Seattle. This is going to be absolute gangbusters. Fifty seven points is the over under, so there's going to be fancy points galore here. Seattle have actually given up the third most amount of points to uh, fancy quarterbacks this year um, so far. And they've already given up 731 yards and two touchdowns to wide receivers, which is just massive. Um, and they're 2-0 and and they've been great. And that offense is, is really flying. And Jamal Adams has been great, but the rest of that defense is not really bringing it. And they're going to be in shootouts, and I expect this one to be another one. So with Dallas here, I mean, Seattle favored by five, I should mention that. So we do expect them to, to win the game. But this will be another shootout. Um, you know, Dak's a, a QB1 this week. Zeke is a, an RB1 and arguably probably the second best running back going uh, this week. A lot of people ranked him as their uh, RB1 this week. I think I've got him at RB2 this week or RB3. I've got him up there, but um, I have one, at least one player uh, better than him this week. And I'll get to when I touch upon him. 
As for the wide receiver core, Gallup has been massively uh, underwhelming this year. It seems to me that CD Lamb might overtake him in terms of looks and targets, and that's something that, that could happen. Um, Mike Cooper is still going to be your main threat. So he, for me, is, is a, a wide receiver two this week. And I've got Lamb as a wide receiver three, and Gallup as sort of that fringe, or the wide receiver three, wide receiver four. But they're all startable in this game, given what could happen. Um, but if I had to sit one, it'd be Gallup. But I can understand people's reluctance to want to sit him, given draft investment and what he has done. But I think it's just too many mouths to feed. Um, and he's the one that doesn't seem to be taking the opportunity as much as the others right now. Um, as for Dalton Schultz, I think he's a tight end too this week. But I do think uh, he's a possible start. If you're going to start him at all, this is more the sort of game that you would expect him to be involved in than, than others potentially coming up on the schedule. As for Seattle, uh, Russell Wilson is the QB1 overall right now. Of course, you you start him. Um, Chris Carson, I think, is going to have another good day. Um, at Dallas D is, is, is not really stopping the run that badly, but also not that well. And then, okay, they, they held Todd Gurley off a little bit, but I think that was more probably the play calling of Dirk Cutter than it was the, the amazing scheme put together by the Cowboys defense to stop him. And their, their secondary is soft, so Metcalf, Lockett should both return wide receiver two numbers this this week um, but I wouldn't play any tight ends you can fade Olsen you can fade I think Disley's out injured or he's doubtful there's just no need to start a tight end so that's that's kind of where you are with Seattle and then we've got Sunday Night Football Monday Night Football absolutely brilliant games don't think I'm getting any sleep this week so first game is Green Bay at New Orleans Sunday Night Football New, New Orleans surprisingly favored by three here given the starts of both teams and the over under set 52 and a half so we'll start with Green Bay. They're 2-0 and have been absolutely brilliant. Um, in terms of Rodgers, Rodgers is someone who is still polarizing. I've got him at the back end of the QB ones this week. I think he's going to find it a little tougher than he has the first two weeks. And if Devontae Adams isn't playing, then that's definitely a bit of an arrow down on, on Rodgers. Aaron Jones has been absolutely brilliant, but he has not been getting a ton of snaps. He's actually around about the 50% snap rate, according to Dwayne McFarland's utilization report. But he's making the most of it. So it might just be interesting if Green Bay blow this out, which we don't expect it to be a blowout. You know, it's a, it's, it's a win by three by New Orleans at this rate. So we don't expect a blowout for Green Bay. But if it is, then I do worry, does Aaron Jones get used less? Um, so that's something to keep an eye on because, again, 50% snap share. But he definitely, when he is getting in the game, he's pretty much involved on all of those plays. Uh, and that's what Dwayne was saying is you don't need to be too worried about that because of the fact that he is involved in almost every single one of the snaps that he plays. Um, we need to check on Devontae Adams. It's unlikely I think he plays, but we you know, keep an eye on that situation. But I'd be surprised if he starts. So then you've got the MVS versus Lazard um, scenario here. And I think MVS is, is the person who I would plump for. He's what I put in the waiver wire column. Um, I just think he's with the bigger play. Uh, he's got that deep threat ability. He is getting really good separation right now. He looks like a, a, a pretty tidy and uh, player, sort of. I wouldn't say at the peak of his powers, but I think he's someone who's, who has that dual threat right now. Um, and I think that's why I think he would get more volume in this than, than Lazard, and especially more of those deep targets, more high-value targets. Um, so expect MBS to be the one that I would expect to eat if, if Devontae Adams goes, but I also expect uh, Lazard to get those easy catches sort of underneath etc so um but mvs is the man I would, i'd line up with in the flex i think lazard is probably a, a nudge under that and no need to start a tight end here russell's on uh and 
Jay Sternberger aren't producing anything relevant for fantasy tight ends right now. Um, interesting point on New Orleans. So a lot of people have been questioning this week about Breeze. Is Breeze finished? Um, is his arm gone? Um, and, and all of these things. And Michael Lombardi on the same podcast mentioned earlier uh, talked about his efficiency in passing and he's not throwing the ball deep and yards per attempt and, and all of those sorts of things. If you really look underneath the numbers, and I've gone to the Football Outsiders um, for this, they actually written an entire article on this. And and once again, it, it, it's interesting when you do a bit of deeper analysis. It's so easy to say that that Drew Brees is is finished, and and, and maybe he doesn't throw the ball thirty forty yards down the field. I think it's an easy, uh, albeit lazy, narrative to to put together. But that's not entirely his game, nor has it been for several years. Um, what it is is about efficiency of, of targets and it's about making sure that they are efficient on drives. So when you look at their DVOA, they actually finished seventh last week um, and actually moved up two points or two spots in their DVOA rankings despite losing. And Las Vegas actually dropped 12 spots um, despite winning. Um, and the reason behind this was that even though New Orleans ran 57 plays, they still had 424 yards uh, in the game compared to the Raiders' 375. Um, I mean, even if you take out that meaningless last drive, I think it was like 48, 50 yards, the teams were, were nearly tied anyway. And the reason why the Saints were just overly efficient is they got 7.4 yards per play. The Raiders got under five. It doesn't need Drew Brees to run the ball to be overly efficient. And in terms of that 7.4, that ranked fourth last week in yards per play numbers. So they were highly efficient on the ball um, and they were highly efficient moving the football. And they had a 60% drive success rate where it killed the Saints. And this is also what was hidden behind a win in week one was penalties. They had 129 yards in penalties and they took 10 penalties. The Raiders had three for 13 yards. And so as a result, they keep getting these pass interference plays and they're absolutely killing the Saints. Week one, Tampa didn't make the most of it. Week two, the Raiders absolutely did. And unless they keep making these same mistakes, and you'd like to think at some point that that's not going to happen. And this is why I, I love Football Outsiders and DVOA. I think it's so important to get underneath the hood and actually see these and read some of the articles and content they're putting out. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, you'll actually start to see a bigger picture, which is actually the drive success rate, drive efficiency was, was still good despite losing. It's these penalties that are killing them. And that's not a metric that's likely to sustain. And that's why the bookmakers have New Orleans at minus three. It's because they know they're moving the ball. They know they're the, probably the better team. It's just the fact that it's penalties. They're almost beating themselves so far. And my point underneath all of this is just do not worry about Breeze. If you drafted him, you draft him knowing he's not throwing the ball deep anyway. You're drafting him on efficiency, the amount of throws he makes, uh, how accurate he is. Um, and yes, okay, that last interception was was pretty poor. Of course it was. But, you know, everybody makes those throws. We've seen Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, make those throws this season. It happens. As the season gets along, they will be better. So I guess my point is there's nothing new about Drew Brees that we didn't already know. Um, he's not throwing the ball downfield all that much. Um, therefore, he's not throwing it at high success. But he's still got very successful drives in him, even in this sort of defeat. So Breeze is QB2 for me this week. He is startable, um, but, you know, it's just something to to be aware of. I think Kamara is the, is the number one running back in fantasy football right now. Um, massive week on Monday. I think he will continue to be leaned on, especially without Michael Thomas there. 
he's a touchdown machine um but he's also getting used so much more in the passing game so i think for me he's absolutely massive uh this week and thomas is questionable i can't see him returning this week but i'm not a doctor so don't hold me to that if that's the case again i said to you last week trey consmith over emmanuel sanders that's how it transpired that's how it would transpire again um so I have Smith as a wide receiver three if Thomas doesn't go. And I have you know, Sanders as a, as a wide receiver four. Um, and that's kind of how I view him. And Cook, I think, for me, is a talent of a tight end, tight end one this week. And then to top it all off, we have the absolute game of the season so far. It's Kansas City at Baltimore. The line is three and a half uh, in Baltimore's favor with an over-under 54. This game is going to be absolutely massive. And I'm going to put a couple of stats out here with regards to Baltimore, but I want you to almost ignore them. Because although it's a matchup, this is the Chiefs we're talking about, and you're not going to lay off any of the Chiefs players. You know, Baltimore giving up eight points per game to team running backs. That's fantasy football points. Eight fantasy football points per game to team running backs, and they're giving up 12 fantasy football points a game to wide receivers. I mean, that is so stingy as a defense. I mean, you know, they talk about Cleveland, who, you know, have got all those offensive weapons. And then you've also got uh, Houston, who were pretty much shut down. And look, that's great. But the, the, the Chiefs will bring it, even though they don't look like they've massively bought it into the, into the season just yet and have been more efficient than spectacular. Nonetheless, you're starting Mahomes. He, for me, is a mid-QB1 this week. You're starting CEH, although you probably are worried slightly with those RB numbers that maybe that caps into his ceiling, but he got much, much more usage in the passing game expecting to do so this week. You're, of course, you're starting Tyreek Hill, even though he's going to have a really bad cornerback uh, matchup because Hill is that good. Even though he's in a bad matchup, you know he'll make plays. And you're starting Kelsey. Of course, you're starting Kelsey because he, he's going to be up there, sort of the, the high end of the tight end conversation for tight end one. As for Baltimore... You have Jackson this week. Again, I am probably slightly above um, Mahomes, mostly due to that rushing, but I don't think he's going to be the overall QB1 this week. Now, an interesting thing, again, going back to uh, Dwayne McFarland's uh, utilization report, which is available on PFF. So Mark Ingram gets 60% of the snap share when the scores are within seven. So when the scores are within seven, within a touchdown, Mark Ingram is the back that is used. And when the game is more than seven, then that's when they use J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and all the others. Twenty um, percent of the time, Dobbins is used in that. In that, so what it says is in those key cut situations, they go with experience, and when the game is a bit more free, they go with youth. And so that is something really keen to watch. Is and again, when you're looking at this, it's three and a half points. Not expected to be a blowout. If you expect these teams to go toe to toe, Mark Ingram is the better bet uh, going forward because he will get more work. If Baltimore start to blow this out, then that is where Ingram isn't going to return the point. So it's a slight risky play. I put Mark Ingram as a running back two this week. Dobbins is a, a running back three. Um, so they are the two kind of rankings I have again. So I have Ingram above Dobbins this week because that's how I expect the game to go. And going forward, that is how we should continue to analyze this backfield. Um, and if that data changes, I'll continue to, to look and monitor it. As for... Marquis Oliver-Brown, he's a wide receiver three for me. I've got him as a bit of a sit, given that he's up against the Chiefs and they don't give up those explosive plays. And Mark Andrews, last but not least, he should be a high-end tight end one this week. That will pretty much do it. I hope this has been useful. hope you've been able to get a lot of insight from this and you're a lot more clear on your start-sit decisions. Um, If you are stuck on a few, feel free to check us out 
on Twitter. Feel free to ask any questions. Quickest way to get answers is to subscribe to our Patreon, uh, which you can do for $3 a month or more. There's a lot of other cool perks as well, but you get access to our private Slack channel. Um, but as for any other questions, feel free to DM us, send us a message, and we'll try and get those as, as quickly and as uh, efficiently as we can. Um, but the priority is through through the Patreon, of course. Uh, but until next week, Rush Nation, good luck this week. Hope that it all works out really well for you. Hope we can get to celebrate some dubs together. Um, but until Monday, keep rushing. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.